I often say it's it's one to many to one, right? So the host can send a message out to the entire audience, you know, a thousand people. Those individual people can then respond, and that response just goes to the host, and they start a one-to-one conversation from there. Sometimes with social media, it seems like you're throwing a message out in a bottle, hoping someone will read it and respond, and that can be frustrating. I'm Michael O'Connell. You're listening to It's All Journalism. Today, we are joined by Mike Donahue, founder and CEO of The Alpha Group, and David Cohn, senior director of The Alpha Group, to discuss Subtext, an SMS-based platform that allows subscribers to have direct personal conversations with the platform's hosts. Welcome to the podcast, Mike and David. Yeah, hey, thanks for having us. Okay, so first of all, tell me a little about your company, The Alpha Group. What's its mission? The Alpha Group is the in-house tech and media incubator for Advanced Local, which It's a much larger news media organization, but really our goal is to explore opportunities in the tech and media landscape, assess areas of opportunity that we find, and then build and launch MVP products that address those market needs. So as we're launching the MVPs, as we start to see traction in the products that we're taking to market, we scale them up, we spin them out as their own businesses, but Ultimately, our goal is creating new intellectual property, new tech, new revenue streams, and new audiences for the organization. So we're here to talk about subtext, which was formerly called project text. So what is subtext and and, how can people use it? Yeah, so subtext is a text-based subscription platform. If I can like load in as many buzzwords as, as possible here, Michael, I'm sorry. But it's a platform that connects hosts, so journalists and media organizations in this instance, with their most engaged followers via text. So kind of think of it as having insider access and a direct line of communication with the journalists who are the closest to the stories that you care most about in a medium that feels a lot more engaging and personal, meaning SMS text as opposed to say like a paid premium newsletter or something like that. But if people want to use it, they could go to joinsubtext.com. And then I would just encourage people to keep an eye out, you know, either on Twitter or on any of the sites that they frequent for individual writers or or different media companies starting to offer this to the readers as an opportunity to connect with those writers. Okay. So as a technology company looking to sort of develop these products, what type of problem are you you trying to solve here with subtext? This is David. So one of the nice things about subtext is it can actually solve different problems depending on what the host uh, organization's goals are. So we have seen some people use it as an engagement tool, right? Because, you know, there's a lot of, for example, a lot of free email newsletters out there but you know the open rate on texting is way better than anything on email. Um, if you think about, you know, the voice that you can accomplish through text and the connection that you can create with your audience through text, it's it's way better. And we also have some people who use it as a standalone subscription product, right? Because maybe their goal is direct revenue. And we also have some customers and clients who use it as a retention play. They put it behind their paywall, so it's for existing members or subscribers, and it's something that allows them to kind of keep that connection, make it deeper so that, you know, when it comes time to renew, they have a suite of products that they really enjoy. I think, you know, in terms of what we're trying to, what trends we're kind of taking advantage of or trying to like go with, 
I mean, I think there's a few, but one of them is the idea of direct connection between the reporter and the journalist and the audience with less mediation from big tech companies, right, like Facebook or, or Twitter. It really kind of functions differently than the social media platforms and even email or email newsletters. You know, you're taking advantage of SMS and, and sort of linking the two, the hosts and the audience. Yeah, in fact, I think it has a little bit of the best of both worlds, right? Because if you think about, I'll just use Twitter and email as like the two different examples, right? Like Twitter is loud and obnoxious and cacophonous. And, you know, for example, just as an anecdote, you know, we have hosts who will, you know, for their podcast, they'll actually on Twitter say, you know, hey, what are some questions I should answer on the podcast at this week? And they've got a, you know, a following of 50,000 people on Twitter, but they'll get, you know, four or five responses on Twitter. And of course, that makes sense because on Twitter, most people don't really think you're talking to them. They've just got a stream of tweets that they're kind of semi paying attention to, but really kind of ignoring. Nobody really responds. That same host will ask that question on, on subtext and get, you know, 40 or 50 responses. And that's with a much smaller audience, of course. So you kind of get the that sense of intimacy and personableness that is accomplished through email newsletters. But nobody responds to email newsletters at all. In fact, that's sort of like very abnormal to do. But again, there is an element of conversation that can happen. One thing that, you know, we stress is it's not a group chat, right? So I often say it's, it's one to many to one, right? So the host can send a message out to the entire audience, you know, a thousand people. Those individual people can then respond and that response just goes to the host and they start a one to one conversation from there. That sort of differentiates it from, say, even a comment board or even like a Facebook post where somebody would sort of post something and then that would sort of create a conversation space. This is more a one-on-one -on -one direct communication, even though you're, you're sort of throwing the big net out there to all of your, the people who've signed up for subtext. It's actually, you're not creating a conversation space per se. You're, you're creating that one-on-one -on -one conversation. What we say sometimes is like the host is really the curator of a conversation because there can be kind of call and responses that happen. So like, you know, we have a lot of sports reporters, and one of my favorite examples is the sports reporter, the football reporter, the night before a big game will say, hey, in emoji form, tell me how you feel about tomorrow's game. And, you know, they'll get all those responses, and then, you know, the next morning they'll say, okay, I got, you know, 72 poop emojis, you know, 46, you know, sad face emoji. You know, they'll, they'll kind of show what people respond to. But so there can be a kind of sense of community, but that is, again, curated and hosted by the reporter you know, one thing that I often say is, and, and I think this is, again, another benefit of it, something like Twitter is performative and subtext is or texting is informative. Right. And that does a lot. It changes the nature of the content that the host puts out. But it also removes the sense of, for example, trolling, right? Because trolls only succeed or only really thrive in an environment where they feel like they're being seen. Right. But again, on subtext, a mean person would literally just be sending a mean message to an individual. Nobody else can really see it. So we actually haven't had any trolls at all. And I think it's because there's no element of performance here. It really is a service from the reporter to the audience. And then the audience genuinely want to engage with that reporter and ask meaningful questions, right? There's no point in, in sort of being mean or rude. And so we actually see a much better quality of conversation as well. And I can imagine in that sort of context that you don't have... Well, I guess it, what it does is sort of creates this, uh, a degree of anonymity, you know, when you post, you know, sometimes you, you may see something that you might want to post 
on Twitter, you know, respond to on Twitter, but, you know, you open yourself up for these sort of trollish attacks by having these sort of one-on-one conversations. I mean, the host is going to know, I guess, your identity, but, you know, as long as you trust the host, you've signed up for their thing, you, you sort of want them to know who you are, you probably feel more comfortable in responding to that and having that conversation. You're not out in the open, I guess, is the best way to put it. The platform, right, of SMS one, it's, it's really used in one-to-one communication. I mean, who do you text with, right? You text with your friends, your family, loved ones, et cetera, right? So it's a space where we are used to being very cordial and intimate and personable. And that, that follows through to the conversations with hosts. And again, I think the hosts enjoy it because they're not getting trolled. And I do think you're right as well that the users really enjoy it because when they are sending comments, they don't feel like they are performing for the world or are subject to the ridicule of the world for asking you know, some question or having some comment or view. It really just goes to the host who, again, is in a position where they are sort of understanding the needs and desires of the community in that space and can kind of reflect it back out to the larger community and say, hey, I've actually gotten this question a lot, so I'm just going to send it out to everybody. You know, hey, here's something that seems to be on everybody's mind. That's really kind of appealing, I, I imagine, for the journalist who, who kind of wants to control the situation. Sometimes when you're trying to push something out on social media, or you're trying to get a response, you throw this wide net out, you get a lot of noise, or you may get no response. This way, you know, you have that sort of more, more targeted questioning. You know, as you said, one would hope that that's going to foster a higher quality of, of response and, and intimacy with your, with your reader or listener. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, there's the added benefit of, you know, how much have you really made from Twitter, right? I mean, subtext has a, a direct revenue option or play. And so not only are you able to sort of engage with the audience in this very meaningful way, which, you know, is one of the better lessons that I think the journalism industry has gotten from social media is that, yes, we can and should engage with our audience. But now you can do it kind of more on your terms or in a space that feels a little bit like it values information more than performance. And again, people are willing to pay for that service, right? I mean, I think there is a service element to it that adds a value to it for users who, again, we've seen are willing to to pay, you know, four or five dollars a month to a reporter who's covering a topic that they're passionate about. So how does the revenue work? I mean, can you set it up for free and then kind of build a community and then sort of, quote unquote, put it behind a paywall? Or how, how does the revenue stream work? For campaigns that have a subscription, like again, four or five dollars, it is free to set up. And, you know, the majority of the revenue goes to the host and we do a, a revenue share. And in that respect, you know, we're here to help. Right. So we try and, you know, obviously we, we train the hosts on the tool, which is very easy. You know, if you know how to send an email, then you can actually use our tool. I, I, I often say, look, it's it's similar to having like a new email that instead of sending emails, it sends text. So it's a very simple tool. But we, we know we help with strategies and ideas on how to grow the audience. But yeah, it's, it is free to set up. So you're not charging, unless you create some sort of campaign where you want to charge them something like you've got your website behind a paywall and you make access to subtext as part of that play. You know, if I just, you know, if I had a, had a website or I had a, or something and I just wanted to get people to sign up and communicate me with them on subtext, they don't have to pay anything to start out with. Correct. So for those, there is no setup fee or anything like that, but right. um, we do uh, charge like a software as a service fee if it's part of a, either a free engagement kind of play for subscribers or if it's behind a paywall for existing members or subscribers. There's no new revenue being created, but again, there's no like, you know, setup fee or anything like that. It's just, it's based off of the number of people that are signing up. So it's really the value that you're creating in terms of the relationship with 
with readers or subscribers. So talk to me a little bit about how you sort of foster an audience in something like this. What strategies work best for subtext? Sure. I mean, I would say two things. The first is to really think about what the topic is, right? Like, what is the value that you're trying to create, right? I mean, I do think that there are, you know, like a general news, for example, right? Like, you know, general news would not do as well to get people to pay because there's a lot of sources for general news. And unless you have like the world's expert on general news, which seems like an oxymoron, you know, as opposed to, you know, we have people who cover real estate in South Florida or real estate development as well in Nashville, right? Like that is, that requires an expertise. There's a value in the reporter who's on the ground, who has the relationships, knows what's happening, right? So I think that's the first important thing in terms of thinking about how to build an audience is, is like, what is the sort of niche that you want to fill, whether it's a, a sports fandom for like, you know, college football or something business related, et cetera. The other thing that you might appreciate that we've discovered is promotion across different channels, one of the best being actually podcasts. So what we have found is podcast hosts, you know, if you think about it, people, they know the voice of the podcast host. They kind of know the personality and the tenor and the tone, but there's a lot of time in between episodes, right? And so subtext is actually a great way to sort of, for a podcast host to stay in touch with their audience. It's the same person, personality, and tone, it's just a different medium, right? It's via text. So it's not audio, it's, you know, their voice via texting. But we have seen that, again, people really want to kind of feel like they are part of the podcast community that is being created around this voice that they know, and this allows them to stay in touch in between. So I do think, you know, cross promotion across different channels works really well, especially other channels where you get a sense of personality. Would you describe this more as an engagement tool and, and less of a, a sort of a content delivery? What I want to, sort, I guess, find out is, you know, a newsletter, typically you're delivering sort of uh, content to a, a targeted audience. I mean, a text, you know, I can't imagine that you're going to have as much rich content as one would have in a newsletter. You know, I do think there is something to be said about providing content that is unique and especially special via text. And you'd actually be surprised at how flexible the format can be. So for a quick example, we do have people who will sometimes write a Medium post, but it's unlisted, so it's not something that can be found. And they will provide that just to the people on their text. Um, oh, so they'll text out the link to that Medium post. So if they feel like they really need to get something out, but they want to keep it special for people who are subscribed to their text, there's all kinds of different ways that you can create content that is just for them, that is richer and deeper. But in general, we do tell people, yeah, of course you can post links to things that are on your website or, or what else, but you know, you really do need to think about what is the value add that you can do via text. But again, there's actually all kinds of different ways to do that. So Mike, do you have anything to add to that? No, I mean, I think David covered, covered it really well. I mean, when we're looking through the hundred plus hosts that we have on the platform, I mean, the people that have really excelled have been those individuals that really kind of let their personality shine through in the text, right? I mean, you know, the example that we always use with people is if you're a sports reporter and you're going on ESPN, the minute that the lights come on, you deliver your reporting into the camera, right? And when the lights go off and you're having a conversation with the crew or anybody else who's on the set, those are the conversations that really ultimately perform well on the platform because it gives your subscribers the sense of having this sort of inside kind of unvarnished access to 
the personalities that they really love. So, I mean, that's been a really successful angle for hosts on the platform, and it's a really unique way to engage with with journalists. Sports is always a great example in any of these types of uh, engagement situations because, you know, sports fans are really fanatic. They really want to express their opinion, and they they really want to have that access to uh, a sports reporter or a sports host. And they're usually always the ones in the newsroom who sort of adopt these things and, and really kind of play them much better than a lot of other people. I'm wondering, though, you know, it's because this is sort of in SMS, you know, is there a danger of like sort of overloading somebody with, with these messages? With all due candor, like when we started out, we thought, you know what, the, the perfect cadence here is going to be maybe one text a day or maybe a text every other day because we don't want them to be fatigued by the messaging or anything like that. But the truth is, I mean, we leave it up to our hosts to really kind of feel out what their subscribers are telling them they like, how frequently they want to be communicated with. I mean, we have campaigns that are sending three, four, five texts in a given day, and the churn rate on their subscribers is below 1%. So, I mean, people are telling you by virtue of their actions how many texts they want to receive, how frequently they want to get the updates. So, I mean, it really comes down to what you're covering and whether or not when you're sharing text, this is valuable information for your community. So is there a way, are there any analytics to this besides, you know, whether it's just somebody responds back? I mean, is there any way sort of measure engagement? Yeah, I mean, truth is we have a full analytics dashboard host by host. So they can look at things like, Yes, engagement rate by virtue of how many people are replying to their individual text. But we also let them track text by text, you know, how many people are subscribing, how many people are unsubscribing in a given day, what is their response rate? So what percentage of their community are they getting back to each day or each week or each month? The analytics that we give posts to work with in terms of optimizing their campaigns and that type of thing are, are really robust. I mean, we want people to own these communities. And the people that have drilled into those analytics and, and really care about the responses that they're getting are the folks that, that have really excelled on the platform. We also see anecdotally, right, because we encourage hosts to communicate and say like, hey, there's a big game coming up tomorrow. I'm going to text a certain amount and let me know afterwards, you know, if it's too much or too little or right on. Funny enough, especially on game days, we have had hosts who, again, it's unique to them. So it's not across all hosts who have sent out surveys and said, hey, you know, did I send the right amount of texts? And all the feedback, I was actually surprised because this host sent something like, you know, 10 or 13 texts on a game day. But every single response was, you know, as many as you can, love it, you know, keep me up to date. It was great. So I, I do think it depends on the the topic and, you know, the sort of ebb and flow of the news cycle, right? I mean, this was like a big game. But, you know, anecdotally, I think the hosts can kind of get a sense of how people are responding to them and sort of put their finger on that pulse. So I know we've been mostly talking, we talked mostly about sports and sort of news stories and in the newsroom side of the building. You know, how does this work as a marketing tool, as a way to sort of, you know, promote your publication or, or maybe particular products that you're you're putting out that aren't necessarily your main you know, news function. We really do try and keep this as pure as possible in terms of the communication. I mean, we ask that hosts not put out promotional messaging or something like that. I mean, this is really meant to be kind of a sacred community conversation that's taking place between our hosts and their subscribers. 
But the truth is, I mean, there are a ton of instances, right, where, you know, because the engagement rate, because the read rate is so high on these individual texts that, you know, any publication or individual journalist really has the opportunity to remind their subscribers of the value that they're deriving from the platform, meaning, you know, we have tons of hosts that use this, as David said, as an engagement tool and as a sort of parlay into a larger digital subscription for their organization. And, you know, we find that as people are putting out surveys and, you know, we're, we're seeing the results, I mean, people by and large are saying, look, if you include this ability to text with my favorite journalists as part of your digital subscription offering, I'm, you know, three, four, five times more likely to maintain my subscription. So in that sense, it's a marketing tool, but in the, you know, in, in the sort of like very rote kind of communicating marketing message and messages and that type of thing, it's, it's something that, that we discourage. Okay. Yeah. The only reason I ask is I think, you know, a lot of newsrooms, you know, especially those that have paywalls, the lists that they have tend to be like subscription lists or, you know, maybe vendor lists or something like that. And, you know, that's a very sort of different thing than what a sports reporter would have with uh, the list of, of his or her followers on uh, on social media. So just trying to sort of explore that that subject and get a sense of what you're what you're trying to do here can you point to any organizations that have got subtext and and have been using it successfully no absolutely i mean we've had tremendous uptake from advanced local which is our parent company ultimately i think you know we have probably 15 or 20 hosts on the platform from advance and, and they've done an absolutely exemplary job of building up a subscription base and really engaging people in a, in a compelling way. We also do a tremendous amount of work with Gannett. We've had 10 hosts from Gannett on the platform covering a wide variety of topics, which has been a ton of fun. We've worked with the American City Business Journals. And I mean, at this point, we're up to well over 100 hosts, I think. So we've got people on the platform from you know a, a wide variety of, of media organizations. Okay. Where do you hope this is going to be in, in a year and in five years? Five years, it's probably way too early to sort of guess at what it looks like in five years. I think a year from now, we're going to continue to diversify the hosts that we have on the platform and, and grow the business that you know we've been able to build up over the past six months with media companies and journalists and that type of thing. But the truth is, I mean, we see really broad application for this platform, even outside of media orgs and journalists. I mean, you think about everyday influencers, business thought leaders, people that have worked really, really hard to build an engaged following and, and now either want to be able to financially support the work that they've been doing or people that just want to give their biggest fans the opportunity to cut through the clutter and the vitriol of social media and connect with them in a much more meaningful way. So I think you'll see us diversify the base of hosts while continually growing and adding new functionality and new ways for our hosts to be able to connect in a really intimate way with their biggest fans. Yeah, this seems like a really interesting product. I've certainly struggled over the years is to how to build up a, a rapport with an audience and sort of generate feedback. And I know that other I've spoken to other journalists who have expressed frustration at it. And this idea that, you know, for example, 
a few years ago, everybody was turning off their commenting board because they couldn't, you know, moderate it for all of the trolls that were on it. And they, they were sort of losing that level of engagement with their audience. You know, Facebook maybe was supposed to come in and replace that, but I don't think people are really happy with the way Facebook does things. So, I mean, you know, coming up with a way to engage with your audience, I think as digital journalists, we recognize that that's something we have to do. And a way that we can kind of control the stream and keep it sort of personal, I think there's a lot of pluses in that. So this is really kind of an interesting product, and I'm really I'm fascinated to see where it goes. Again, how can people find out about this? The best way is to go to joinsubtext.com. And there on the on the homepage is a campaign that we actually run. So you can sign up and you'll get a text from us, which, you know, really we, we're using that as a way to sort of, you know, for people who are interested in learning more about what it is to become a host. But if you go to joinsubtext.com, you can sign up there and, and then we'll send you a text. And, you know, from there, have a conversation about what it means to, to be a host in this. I don't know, Mike, what, what else is there to add? Yeah, no, I would also say shameless plug here. If people or their organizations want to apply to be hosts on the platform, you can go to joinsubtext.com slash apply. And we just have a couple, you know, form fields, a little bit of information that we need on people, but we'll get right back to you. And yeah, I mean, you know, we'd love to have any of your listeners as, as hosts on the platform. I think that would be great. Okay. Well, David, Mike, thanks for coming on the podcast and, and sort of sharing some information about subtext. I wish you luck with your one-year plan, and maybe one day when you develop a five-year plan, you'll let us know about that as well. Take care. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? you get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Amelia Brust helped with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.